0: Because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe, my daughter loves to bake, or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can—it's amazing, really—in any form. Visit CleanSimpleEats.com and use the code AskLisa20 at checkout for twenty percent off your first order. That's CleanSimpleEats.com with the code AskLisa20 for twenty percent off your first order.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating.
0: All the So send your questions to AskLisa at DrLisaDemore.com. Episode 40, my kid's room is a hot mess. What should I do? I'm looking around my office and I can see stacks of papers, manila folders thrown all over, books, (laughs) and I see your beautiful, tidy office. And I'm wondering, what did I do wrong as a child to not understand organization? (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, Rena, you know, it's so funny. For me, I can't think if it's not tidy. Like, that's the only way I can think. But I also know there are lots of brilliant people, you among them, who operate fine with what looks like chaos to me. And so, you know, my attitude is, like, in adulthood and also in parenting, there yeah. are a lot of ways to get it right. Yeah.
0: I need Marie Kondo and speed dial. Is she still on eternity? <laughs> like I need her Oof. back. Oof. Uh, you know, we got this letter from his mom who talks about her kid's messy room. That's kind of what got us thinking about this. It was, it says here, hi, Dr. Lisa, I need your help with the challenge I'm facing with my teenage daughter. Her room is a hot mess. You can't even go in there without walking on top of stuff. She's a fantastic, beautiful kid who has major problems with organization. I'd appreciate any thoughts on how to help her. Start developing new behaviors because the way she keeps her room drives me absolutely crazy. Thank you in advance for your consideration on this. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. She's I, not alone. A lot of parents can identify yeah, with this, Yeah, this, right? this mom
1: is not alone. There is yeah. no question about that. This is something that a lot of families struggle with about how, do you how, how their kids them. keep their rooms.
0: And they're not bothered by it. That's the thing. They're really no. not bothered by it.
1: No, no.
0: Where do you start? Um. Well, so...
1: Where you start, for me, is there's messes and there's messes. So for me, and I would say this both personally and professionally, and this for me actually gets to a very personal place. Like, I really like things tidy. So I, I I feel very empathic to parents who have a hard time with their kids' messy rooms. There are certain bright lines that messy rooms cannot cross, and I think should not cross. So, for example, is there food in there? You know, is there mm-hmm. food that is going bad or could bring, you know, vermin your way. Um, That to me feels like a non-negotiable, right? Like there's no way that that should be happening. It's gross. It's, you know, not fair to anyone. So that's a place where I think parents should really like, you know, say "This this is not on the options of ways you can keep your room. I think another bright line, I'm trying to walk them back from severity. So food, gross, stuff like that just totally Weirds me out as a parent, you know, and I think as a psychologist is not okay. Yeah. Then there is if they're not if they're not being respectful of their stuff. I mean, I think one thing that's really hard for parents, and I get this, is maybe they bought their kid a dress or a jacket that the kid really wanted, and maybe it was expensive, and then they go in the room, and the thing is like jammed under a chair, you know, and that that for the parent feels uneasy and uncomfortable and they don't like that. And I think there's room there to say, look, you know, you want nice things. We want to be able to give you nice things. But if you're going to treat them like that, we're not so inclined. So when you start taking better care of your stuff, like we can go back to these, you know, questions about whether or not there's like these extra nice things to have. The place where I think you start to get into a bit of a negotiation, but where the messy room still feels like a problem is when they can't find stuff. You know how that happens, Rena, in parenting where you have a kid, like the room's kind of chaotic and then they're supposed to be rushing out the door and they can't find things. And you're like, I know it's in there. (laughs) And and if you didn't keep your room this way, we wouldn't be having this crisis now.
0: Right. What is it, though? Like, you know, one child is organized, nice and tidy. The other child is just a hot mess. Stuff strewn all over the place. Is it laziness? Like, why is it that one is organized and the other one isn't? Is there other reasons about this? Yeah, I mean, there probably
1: are. So, you know, some of it is inclination. Some of it is just temperament. Like, you know, some kids just like it tidy. Some kids really don't care. There are also... What we get into um, here is the question of executive functioning. So executive functioning is the term we use in psychology for basically the operating system of the brain and how well it keeps a child organized in their lives. And this is knowing where they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to have with them. You know, it's, it's overall organization in a way. And it's also motivation and other things. But bottom line, when it comes to runes, There are some kids who are still struggling with executive functioning, which is basically knowing what's supposed to be where and where they're supposed to be and those kinds of things. And there are also kids who just are very strong on executive functioning. So they're able to keep themselves organized. So it sometimes happens that you have a kid who struggles with executive functioning and their room either quickly or gradually becomes a huge mess, a hot mess. I love that that's what this mom called it. and the parent is like whoa you have to clean that up right like it just feels like it's crossed a line and here to me is a really interesting moment in parenting the kid doesn't even know where to start mm-hmm. like they have dug themselves a hole yes. that they do not have the executive functioning to get out of and and so that to me is a moment where we have to be fair to the kid about what they can reasonably do mm. And so if this is your kid where you're like, my kid is, you know, kind of got stuff scattered all over. That's kind of how they operate. They're a little bit scattered. If their room crosses that line and you say to them, like, you got to fix this. It is only fair, I think, in those moments to say, I will help you Mm. dig yourself out.
0: Okay. Because they can't.
1: Like, we're asking them to do something they cannot do.
0: How do you know that they cannot do it? Like, what? What is there an age? Is there like, how do you break this down? Like, sometimes I'll say, okay, it's so overwhelming. The playroom is so bad. Take 15 minutes. I'm setting a timer. Go clean up what you can. And it's usually a very small dent of of what ends up being done, <laughs> but it's something.
1: That's brilliant, Rina. I mean, that's a really good idea because if the kid's overwhelmed and is like, I don't even know where to start, and you say, look, just do 15 minutes. Just start on that corner. That's a good thing, and that actually. You know, if your kid can do that, if your kid can actually mobilize for that 15 minutes and even focus on one corner, it's, you know, starting to, you know, get them into it. But it also, what you're doing is you're actually cultivating your kid's executive functioning skills. You're saying, like, use this interval of time, start over in that corner, and you're helping them build it. So if your kid can do that, then I think let them keep at it. You know, help them to, you know, maybe take a break and then go back at it another corner, another 15 minutes. If your kid is like a deer in headlights, absolute deer in headlights, that's where, you know, our instinct in the moment is often to get more angry, you know, yes, more frustrated. tell me about it. But I think that's where you might say, all right, buddy, let's just start with this. Here's a trash bag. Show me what's trash. Or let me pick up this each item and you say trash or not trash. Like, you know, that that kind of helping them create the beginning of an organizational system. This is also where baskets and um, cubbies, you know, things like that come in where you say, "Okay, see this basket? This is the Lego basket. Like all the Legos go in this basket. And so go find me all the Legos. So it may be that level of structure that kids need. And then what I would say is if you've got a kid who is still developing on the executive functioning side, really cannot manage, maintain, and organize themselves yet, don't let it get too far out of control. Like, set a weekly time. You know, every Thursday night, we're going to put your room back together. And um, and do have categories and systems and ways to help them think about doing that. But as hard as it is, and as frustrating as it is, as much as you think, like, how come, kiddo, you can't do this if you're, you know, your brother can do this? How come you can't do this? You know, every kid's different. And so if we go at it from this idea of, all right, you need more coaching on keeping things under control in your room. Um, And then you just set up that coaching time once a week. Or, you know, if people have cleaning services, you know, that can be a good, Mm -hmm. you know, the cleaning folks are coming. And so, you know, every week or every other week, you know, that's the time when we go through your room, put it back together so that they can actually find your floor.
0: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa
1: podcast. Slash Ask Lisa. Earthbreeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. Earthbreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using Earthbreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment. And yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa.
0: This message is sponsored by Greenlight. and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age, that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So what if you're a parent like me who admits, I may be suffering from understanding executive functioning (laughs) and keeping things nice and tidy. What could we do to help if the parent isn't type A and super organized and nice and tidy? Well, so
1: the good news is you probably have a higher tolerance for it.
0: Right? So, <laughs> it's probably not good news.
1: <laughs> well, but it, you know, if the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, you know, you're not going to mind your apples so much, right? Because you have a higher tolerance for what I call chaos, and so their chaos may not bother you. And I will say, Rena, I will say, and I'll come back to your question. Being a parent is the best thing that ever happened to my personality. Like, there's mm. no question because I do like things tight, and I do like things locked down, and I do like things organized. And that's not raising kids. That's not what so raising true. kids looks like. And it's interesting because I started practicing before I had kids. And I've taken care of families who have teenagers for a long time. And even before I had kids, I had so many parents in my office who would be like, oh, my God, it went so fast. Oh, my God, it went so fast. And that really shaped my parenting because we have a mudroom and and oh, don't I will, about I know I, I love can't. the mudroom, but it's also, it can be a disaster, right? But I'll walk in there and there'll be like shoes everywhere. And my instinct is like, ah, and then I say to myself, this is going to solve itself very quickly. These shoes will be gone one day and I will miss them. I'm not going to throw down about this. And, and so being a mom has done more to expand my flexibility and tolerance for living with other people, basically, <laughs> is what it is. And so so I've probably gotten closer to where good moms like you are, good parents like you are, in being able to tolerate a higher level of it. So that, that's a place to start. But if you're worried that this is having a downstream effect on your kids that you're concerned about, <laughs> <right>? yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you're raising disorganized kids, yeah. well, then what I would wonder is, okay, look at where the rubber hits the road. Do they know where their stuff is when it's time for them to find their stuff? Are Mm -hmm. they taking decent care of the things that you think they need to take good care of, right? I mean, that that are valuable or worthwhile or that matter to you, that they treat, you know, well. Um, Are they, you know, is it not gross, (laughs) really? And if you can say yes to all of those things,
0: then I would say it's, you got to decide if it's worth it to lean on your kid. Mm. If they learn it early on, does it help in other ways like if you like drill this? Is this one of those things you need to drill into your child and then it'll have lifelong wonderful implications? Like how far <laughs> do you need to press on this? It's
1: a good question, right? Cuz this is also something that has a real developmental arc. Um so you can lean on your younger kid, right? You can actually say to a 10-year-old, your room's a mess, you got to clean it up. Like you got to make this happen. And they will capitulate to that. Ten-year-olds will go for that. Um, You might decide it's worth it to you to push on your kid to do that. Maybe they're not checking those boxes. Maybe it is gross. Maybe they can't find their stuff. Maybe they are not treating things well. What we want to be really mindful of, Rena, is the whole deal changes when your kid turns 11, 12, or 13, that whatever you could do with muscle early on in parenting, like, I'm telling you to do this. You're not doing it. Now I'm getting mad that you're not doing it. Like, you can get a lot done with, like that with kids who are pre-adolescent. The thing that gets really tricky, Rena, is as soon as your kid, you know, enters adolescence, which, you know, somewhere around 11, 12, 13 at the latest, overnight – your leverage changes. Um, Overnight, if you say to them, do this, they're like, well, I was going to do it. Now I don't want to. And then you're like, now I'm mad. And they're like, well, now you're mad. Now I definitely don't want to. I mean, like you lose all of that traction. And you could find yourself, even if you feel like you've laid all this terrific groundwork around staying organized and being organized, you could find yourself in a really ugly power struggle with a teenager who feels like it's my room.
0: I want to keep it the way I want to keep it. Mm. I just don't know when you need to push, but you're right. Like, I don't allow food and shoes. That's not allowed in the room. That's interesting. Like, no food, no shoes um, uh, upstairs. But what if you have a teen who just doesn't agree to these roles? What do you do then? Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Okay, so let's say you're into this power struggle where the teen is like, you know what? It's my room. And you're like, yeah, but it's my house, (laughs) right? (laughs) And and so here you are, like, going toe to toe. All right, so this to me is a really interesting fight to have with a teenager. And when I think about this, I kind of zoom out on it. And what I think about is it is teenagers' jobs to rub parents the wrong way. It is the nature of normal and healthy development in adolescence to do things that your parents find annoying. And the room is often, I would actually say it's the most common thing I hear about from parents in terms of how their teenager makes them bananas. And so here's how I think about it, Rena. There are two categories of how teenagers can rub their parents the wrong way. There are things teenagers can do that really, really bother us, but probably won't have any implications when they're 30. So the room is in there. It might be like wearing like, you know, really weird nail polish, or it might be, you know, um, listening to music we can't stand, or it might be, you know, getting into disagreements every time it's time to go to church. You know, it might be like things like that, like where where um, there's a lot of friction but you don't really think this is going to harm them at 30, right? Like, it's low, low harm. And then there are things that teenagers can do that upset parents that could have real lasting implications. So it's things like, you know, being out of control around drinking or messing around with drugs or, you know, um, driving in ways that are scary or um, refusing to do schoolwork. You know, that like that, like, there could be things... And so I think in these two very clean categories, matters when they're 30, doesn't matter when they're 30. And for me, every normal healthy developing teenager does something in the probably won't matter when I'm 30 category that they know is going to push their parents' buttons. Um, I will tell you what I did. This seems so small, but whatever. Um, (laughs) so, So to push my mother's buttons, my mother's an extraordinary cook and I grew up in Colorado in the Southwest. And I decided... As a teenager that I hated cilantro. Um cilantro is a very polarizing herb. <laughs> I love cilantro. How about you don't
0: like cilantro? Well, it's and so good.
1: Reena, I do. I actually do. But somehow <laughs> I decided as a teenager that like I couldn't stand cilantro. And you know, you can detect cilantro in the smallest quantities, right? Yeah. And so I went through this whole phase of adolescence of like absolutely refusing anything that had cilantro in it, which my mother cooks with cilantro a lot. And like This was the thing I did that was super annoying. I mean, I'm sure I did other annoying things, but it was really designed to, I think, be annoying to my mother in that way that as an adolescent, you need to be. That will not matter when I was 30. Wouldn't matter when I was 30. So in my experience, kids start in that category. They do things like you tell them to rinse all the orange pulp out of glasses before you put in the dishwasher and they keep not doing it, right? You tell them to clean up their room, they keep not doing it. Um, You tell them to eat this dish anyway, they refuse it because it has cilantro, right? I mean, like all of these things. I think if parents react to that category, if parents are willing to push back a little bit, maybe not on everything, but some of it, it keeps kids out of the second category often. That kids are looking for friction with their parents and we want to give it to them. Because here's, yeah, no, here's what happens, Rena, Here's what happens. If the kid's room is a huge mess and nobody says anything, if the kid is super annoying about, you know, food refusal or, you know, quirky, quirky habits, and everybody just makes room for it. If the kid, you know, if you keep saying rinse out the orange pulp out of the glasses before you put them in the dishwasher, and the kid doesn't do it, and you just stop asking. They're like, whoa, okay, so well, what does it take to get a grown up around here to act like a grown up? Maybe I'll push it a little bit. Maybe I'll be smoking weed in my room and see if you start to notice, right? So here's how we want to think about it. Even if you're not winning, even if your kid is not doing what you ask in terms of keeping their adolescent room the way you want them to, stay in that space with them with some friction. Keep saying to them, you know what? Minimally, you cannot have any food in there. Minimally, you cannot mistreat your stuff. Minimally, like if you're losing your stuff, like you're creating problems for yourself and I hate watching you be frantic. Um, Keep asking, keep saying, you know what? It makes me bananas. Where can we negotiate? It makes me bananas. Could you at least not have stuff on the floor? Keep staying in that space of pushing on how they keep their room, even if you're losing. And the way we should think about this is Give them some friction around something that's pretty low stakes. Reassure yourself constantly, this kid's going to move out. This problem's going to solve itself one day or another, no matter what you do. And in the meantime, if you can hold that friction around the small stakes stuff, I really think most of the time it keeps them out of the bigger stakes
0: stuff. Wow. I did not know that having that friction could actually be beneficial in dealing with teens.
1: It can. It can. They need the friction. Give them the friction on the small stuff. Wow.
0: So my takeaways today are if your kid is just really overwhelmed, might not have the what you call executive functioning yet, you need to step in and help them figure out a system of what goes where so they can identify how to put things away Yeah, and give kids a friction sometimes. Keep pushing back even if it's not fun and it's not pleasant. Those are exactly right,
1: right? You know, have your bright lines, help a kid who can't even begin to figure out how to clean up a room expect friction with your teenager. If they're going to give it to you around their room, take it there. And then what I would say is, if you're like me, (laughs) if you are someone who, left to their own devices, keeps things inordinately tidy, um, be open to the idea that your kids can help you grow, right? And getting comfortable with A higher level, and I have to use the word chaos, a higher level of chaos than you're used to, though I don't think the word chaos is probably fair, can actually be a way in which you expand your own personality. And we don't talk enough about how being a parent can, in fact, help us find new sides of ourselves, help us to be better, help us to be more flexible and relaxed. And yet I think a lot of parents have that experience, You know that once kids come into your life, you don't have the say you used to have. And if you can lean into that experience, it can make it actually much more pleasant for everybody involved and rooms can be a place where that happens.
0: Which reminds me, I don't like mud in my mud room. I like the ah. floors <laughs> nicely swept. It's like one of these pet and uh, the neighborhood kids now are all come. It's a joyous thing. You know, everyone is, is you know, able to come in and, and be with us. And I was saying to them once, guys, we're, you're dragging in all the mud. And one of them turns to me and goes, well, you know, it's a mud room. Right? <laughs> it's like okay, fair point, fair point. I'll let it go. Um, uh, but these little things during the pandemic that I did miss. So the other takeaway is, if your kid doesn't like cilantro, give him a double dose.
1: Double dose on
0: cilantro, and of course, like <laughs>
1: I love it. I cook with it all the time, and it like does crack me up because it like with my mom being the cook, she was like that was the button I could really push on my mom.
0: <laughs> I love it. Please tell me you have a book to help us. I get do. to the next I level on this. I have a wonderful book. This is a classic.
1: This is this book has been around for years and it is really Rena, it's one of the best books out there in parenting. It's called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen Ooh. and How to Listen So Kids Will Talk. Wow. And it's by Adele Faber and Elaine Mazlish, And it's just, I mean, it's just one of those things every parent should have on their shelves. So we'll give away a copy. The way to enter is to follow us on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, put your name in the comments. You could enter as many times as you like. This is for folks in the U.S. only. And then we'll pick a winner and get it out
0: to you. Look forward to that. That's great. And what's your parenting to go, Lisa?
1: It's important for parents to be predictable more than it's important for them to be consistent. So what I mean by that is what you said about the mudroom, that you like the mudroom to have no mud in it. Your kids know that about you. Now, is this consistent with the rest of what you do? There's other places it sounds like where you're quite a bit more flexible about what I would call messes. Um, Not necessarily, right? It actually, in fact, seems strange that you're, like, picky about the mudroom but not so much about other places. For kids, this is not a problem. They know how you operate. If there's mud in the mudroom, you're gonna get upset. If there's papers over there, you won't. What kids need to know is how we're gonna react. And they can work around that. Um, What's hardest on kids is if the parent is unpredictable. If sometimes they're upset about mud in the mudroom and sometimes they are not. So parents don't have to worry that everything has to line up, that their rules have to look consistent across the board. Your kid just needs to know that they can predict how you're going to react to things, and then they will operate accordingly.
0: Great advice. Great advice. Thank you. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to Lisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers.